If you're tired of these promos, regular supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv and sign up for Patreon or Subscribestar at any level. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of June 14th, 2020. The podcast that's hung down, brung down, hung up, and all kinds of mean, nasty, ugly things. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's autonomize the news of the bogus. So the generic antiviral hydroxychloroquine, as we covered on this podcast, is one of the drugs epidemiologists were really hopeful about for the treatment of COVID-19 patients. And it was mentioned by everyone from the CDC to the WHO as an example of one of the drugs that might be our saving grace. And then Trump opened his mouth. And no, he didn't say to drink fish tank cleaner. He said precisely what was on the CDC's website, that the early testing showed hydroxychloroquine could be an effective treatment. So then, of course, everyone had to come out with some way that Trump was a kook and a loon, and they all gravitated towards information showing that hydroxychloroquine was actually dangerous to give to COVID patients. Information from a single study that has now been shown to be fraudulent. Three of the study's four authors retracted the study because they were unable to independently verify the information given to them by the fourth author, Sapan S. Desai, whose company Surgisphere was the source for the data. The three said that Surgisphere refused to hand over the full data set for independent peer review. They wrote, Based on this development, we can no longer vouch for the veracity of the primary data sources. We all entered this collaboration to contribute in good faith and at a time of great need during the COVID-19 pandemic. We deeply apologize to you, the editors, and the journal readership for any embarrassment or inconvenience that this may have caused. The study, which was submitted to the British medical journal The Lancet for peer review, showed that patients who received either chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine had a 45% increased risk of dying and a 411% increased risk of serious heart problems. But The Guardian noticed problems with the Australian data when the paper claimed that COVID-19 had killed 73 Australians, when at the time the real number was 67. The Guardian contacted five hospitals in Melbourne and Sydney, and they said they hadn't supplied Surgisphere with any medical data. Peter Ellis, chief data scientist at News Group, said the Surgisphere database was, quote, "...almost certainly a scam. It is not something that any hospital could realistically do. De-identifying is not just a matter of knocking off the patient's names. It is a big and difficult process. I doubt hospitals even have capability to do it appropriately." It is the sort of thing national statistics agencies have whole teams working on for years. There's no evidence online of Surgisphere having any analytical software earlier than a year ago. It takes months to get people to even look into joining these databases. It involves network review boards, security people, and management. It just doesn't happen with a sign-up form and a conversation. The bogus study caused the WHO to suspend further testing of hydroxychloroquine, and the news media jumped on it as proof that Trump was just a whack job. But actual epidemiologists were skeptical from the start, noting not only the lack of good data, but information on Surgisphere itself, a company that has done things like selling medical textbooks with fake reviews. Desai himself has been named in three medical malpractice suits. 
Surgesphere only has a handful of employees, and they include a science fiction writer and a porn star. Now, I have nothing against science fiction writers or porn stars, but if you're going to be collecting scientific data, maybe, I don't know, have an expert or two? On the heels of this, a second COVID study based on data from Surgesphere has been retracted from the New England Journal of Medicine. With the dangers of hydroxychloroquine refuted, the only remaining question is, does it work? The WHO has resumed worldwide testing, thankfully, but this was a delay we did not need. This is why you wait for peer review, people. If the press hadn't prematurely jumped on this just to try and prove Trump wrong, the other studies could have continued uninterrupted. How many people were killed or put at risk because of the delays caused by this blind alley? are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's Airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit. And so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. So one of the threats to liberty we've been looking at is facial recognition and how it's threatening to become another tool that police can use against the innocent, but snow the jury into thinking it's all sciency and everything, when in reality it's not even as reliable as an eyewitness, and eyewitnesses are notoriously unreliable. Now, IBM, Microsoft, and Amazon have all declared a moratorium on facial recognition technology. IBM was the first when CEO Arvind Krishna made the announcement, citing racial injustice and evidence that the technology is more prone to false positives with people of darker skin color. The problem isn't just racial issues with the technology, however, it's the immense potential for intimidation, intrusions of privacy, and other violations. Many people have written about the horrible things police could do if live facial recognition technology were implemented in concert with police body cams. In a letter to Congress, Krishna wrote, IBM firmly opposes and will not condone uses of any technology, including facial recognition technology offered by other vendors, for mass surveillance, racial profiling, violations of basic human rights and freedoms, or any purpose which is not consistent with our values and principles of trust and transparency. We believe now is the time to begin a national dialogue on whether and how facial recognition technology should be employed by domestic law enforcement agencies. Amazon then announced it was halting its deployment of facial recognition systems, saying that Congress should pass appropriate rules for its use. Although Amazon claims the problems result from misuse of the technology and are not inherent to it, they do point out that citizens should be protected from such misuse by police. Quote, Facial recognition should not be used to make fully automated final decisions that might result in a violation of a person's civil rights. In these situations, human review of facial recognition results should be used to ensure rights are not violated. 
They also called for regulations requiring regular transparency reports detailing how the technology was being used and what safeguards were put in place, as well as public notification whenever video surveillance and facial recognition are used together. Microsoft's president, Brad Smith, then said that Microsoft won't sell facial recognition systems to police until there's federal regulation, quote, grounded in human rights. The company has been asking Congress to limit facial recognition since 2018. But I'll reiterate the point that's been made on this podcast many times. Instead of focusing on cool toys, investigators should be rediscovering the lost art of doing actual police work. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government sensors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Okay, from a good thing Microsoft has done to a bad one. It really has become this grotesque two-headed monster, which sadly is actually better than how the company used to be. But now they've used the DMCA to take down a tool that helps give privacy to Windows 10 users. Ninjutsu OS is a tool that makes heavy modifications to Windows 10 using various tweaks, mods, and add-on tools. These range from the privacy-violating aspects of Win 10 people have been complaining about since it was released, to simple ways of customizing it for one's own personal preferences. It includes 800 tools useful to security experts, several for regular users such as Torn and the Tor Browser, and removing unwanted or unnecessary features. And then, only a month after it was released, Microsoft hit it with a DMCA takedown notice saying that the software is a violation of the license agreement. Microsoft specifically mentioned Win 10 customizations, privacy protections, and disabling or removing unwanted or unneeded components as violations of the software license terms. Ninjitsu was offering an ISO file which allows someone to boot and install Windows on a system with these privacy settings already in place. It seems like that might have been the impetus for Microsoft complaining about it, but even though they claimed the software results in, quote, the illegal reproduction and distribution of Microsoft content, there's absolutely no way to use it to obtain an unlicensed copy of Windows. A user must still have a valid license in order to install it. Not only the ISO, but the entire Ninjitsu repository has been removed from GitHub, which is owned by Microsoft. 
The scary part is, the bulk of the complaint revolves not around making illegal copies of Win 10, which again, this software cannot do, and Microsoft doesn't mention any Microsoft content that's being reproduced, but rather, it's all about the unauthorized tweaking or removal of Win 10 components. In other words, you determining for yourself what is and is not running on your own computer. So if they can do it with that, can they do it with other privacy software such as ONO Shut Up 10? It'd be really interesting to see what happens if Ninjutsu takes this to court, and it also emphasizes the need for right-to-modify and right-to-repair protections. If you own the hardware, you decide what to run on it. Not Microsoft, Google, Apple, or anyone else. And hey, Microsoft, we wouldn't need all these fixes if your software wasn't broken to begin with. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to encircle this week's biggest bogan emitter. Jeez, just when I was ready to praise Zoom for a very good design for end-to-end encryption for group calls, they took biggest bogan emitter back on the 5th of April for claiming their system used end-to-end encryption, also known as E2E, when it didn't. Since then, they've put a lot of work into the very difficult task of properly implementing EDE in group video calls. They've published a white paper that security experts all over the world have been raving about, because their efforts solved so many problems, and barring issues with implementation, can fully secure group calls from eavesdropping by any third party, including Zoom themselves. Implementation issues like only giving the option to paid users. Their excuse? CEO Eric Yuan said in a conference call, Free users for sure we don't want to give that because we also want to work together with FBI, with local law enforcement, in case some people use Zoom for a bad purpose. So Zoom has it set up to cooperate with law enforcement, unless you pay them, in which case they won't cooperate with law enforcement. As security expert Bruce Schneier pointed out, This is just dumb. Imagine the scene in the terrorist-slash-drug-kingpin-slash-money-launderer hideout. I'm sorry, boss. We could have had strong encryption to secure our bad intentions from the FBI, but we can't afford the 20 bucks. And understand, this means 
that if you allow one free user into your group call, it will break E2E for everyone. A Zoom spokes dude said, Zoom's end-to-end encryption plan balances the privacy of its users with the safety of vulnerable groups, including children and potential victims of hate crimes. No! Pick one! You cannot do both! Those two things are mutually exclusive. We plan to provide end-to-end encryption for users for whom we can verify identity, thereby limiting harm to these vulnerable groups. But someone does not need to pay in order for you to be able to verify their identity. Everyone who signed up for a cryptocurrency exchange knows that. Brick back to Alex Stamos for attempting some damage control. He tried to muddy the waters by equivocating encryption with E2E. Yes, they'll still be encrypted, but the point is, Zoom's servers will have the room key and can see what everyone there is saying, both paid and free users. End-to-end encryption means that no one else, not even Zoom, can look at the conversation. It is only available to the participants. No one else. Despite his comments, there is nothing in the white paper speaking as to why this could not be offered to free users. It's no sweat off Zoom's back, as their servers wouldn't be hit with any extra processing or memory requirements or anything like that. All of that would be taken up by the clients. I share Schneier's exasperation when he said, Come on, Zoom. You were doing so well. Of course you should offer premium features to paying customers, but please don't include security and privacy in these premium features. They should be available to everyone. And hey, this is kind of a dumb time to side with the police over protesters. Security expert Matthew Green tweeted, Negotiating with a dragon never ends well, and throwing free-tier users into the dragon's mouth feels even worse. If the federal government is able to intimidate one company into compromising your security, then what's going to happen to the next company? And the next? Once the precedent is set that E2E encryption is too dangerous to hand to the masses, the genie is out of the bottle. And once corporate America accepts that private communications are too politically risky to deploy, it's going to be hard to put it back. Anyone who looks at the state of our government and law enforcement systems and feels safe with them reading all our messages is living in a very different world than I am. This is the perfect time for some other company to jump right in and do what Zoom promised to do. The specs on their E2E are public, and anyone can set it up. In fact, Signal just put out a call for applicants to their career page, and the timing of it doesn't seem like a mere coincidence. There's just no reason for them to deny E2E to anyone, and the law enforcement reason is stupid and could potentially set a bad precedent. And that's what makes Zoom this week's biggest bogani matter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. 
All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a three-month warranty, and one-on-one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's take out this week's Idiot And this week, it goes to the city of Lowell, Michigan, who basically fired their police chief for doing his job and obeying his oath of office. Police Chief Steve Bukala posted a picture of some armed citizens who helped protect the city from looters and wrote, So these fine young men called me today. They wanted to exercise their Second Amendment rights and walk down Main Street. They saw what happened in Grand Rapids. They said it's not going to happen here. We have your backs. I thank them for letting me know they were in town and to call if they see something. He also said, We at the Lowell Police Department support the legally armed citizen and the Second Amendment. And for nothing more than this, City Manager Michael Burns accused him of conduct unbecoming an officer and called his support of the Second Amendment personal feelings instead of part of his oath to support and defend the Constitution. Burns gave him until 5 p.m. that Thursday to resign or he would be fired. The city made a Facebook post which said, We have made mistakes on social media this week, starting with an ill-considered message posted on the Lowell Police Department Facebook page. We then defended this message, arguing with residents or dismissing their concerns. On behalf of the city and the police department, we apologize to our community for these mistakes. At a time when residents looked to us for leadership, we failed. We must take this opportunity to listen and learn so we can work together to defeat racism and build a more just and equitable society. We can and must do better. What is this other than silencing police officers who actually support citizens exercising their constitutional rights? What would the police force in Lowell look like if these numbskulls have their way? Hopefully, the next chief will agree with Bukala and just be smart enough not to express it. So all of that makes Lowell, Michigan, this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this. This goes through armor, then it goes through the victim, through the wall, through a tree outside edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please keep this podcast going by subscribing and supporting in one of several different ways you can find at donate.bogosity.tv, including PayPal, cryptocurrency, or subscribing at Patreon or Subscribestar to listen early and ad-free. Also, please come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from L. Neil Smith. It's important to remember, when you're trying to figure out who to trust to protect you from things like piracy and terrorism, that despite the culprit's protestations to the contrary, the vast majority of such crimes, perhaps 999,999 incidents out of a million, are committed by governments themselves. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution, not commercial, no derivatives, 4.0 international license.
ads are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit, and so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency, with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now.